Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Create the highest, grandest vision possible of your life because you become what you believe. Oprah Winfrey. Hello, I'm Claire Tonti. Welcome to Just Make the Thing, a podcast for people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. This week, I talked to Anthony Montesano, or Signor Mont, as he is sometimes known. Anthony has an incredible story about following your passion. He started as a teacher and now runs his own business, creating dresses, specifically incredibly beautiful couture bridal dresses. His story is one that started when he was a really little boy and I'll let you tell or let you listen to him tell you all about it. But he absolutely epitomizes that belief that we talk about on the show all the time about just getting stuck in and having a go. And his single-minded vision is what really sets him apart, I think. Having something that you can see and believe in long before it is a reality seems to be key, I think, in creating a successful business or making whatever the thing is that you want to make or doing that thing that you want to do, just really seeing it in front of you. And it sounds to me in talking to Anthony that he could see his thing, his adventure back when he was maybe just five. Okay, so here he is, Anthony Montesano. So I, I wanted to ask you my very first question, why couture? Oh, I wish I could answer why. It was just this obsession I was born with. It's really bizarre. I, um, I've always loved parties, like, since as long as I can remember. So it kind of all started, to trace it back, it's like we're talking a three-year-old boy and whenever there was a family party or something on, I would be so freaking excited. Like literally think about it morning till night. <laughs> and I'd, I, I'm a lip licker when I'm nervous. So at every family function, I would have a huge cold sore by the time the function comes. <laughs> every family wedding, I'd be on my like third cold sore for the week. Um, so, yeah, it's just like... I don't know, the theatricality of it, the the spectacle, I've always loved that. And anyone who knows me knows that's not really me as a person. I just love the actual event and, like, that specialness of that day. So couture kind of fits in with that. And brides were really my, my main obsession. Yeah. What always. were you like as a kid? I'd say I was, I was kind of a bit shy and, yeah, sort of reserved. Um, yeah, I certainly wasn't as full on as I am now. Um I guess, the, and as you start to grow up, you you notice that, you know, a boy who likes dresses and Barbies is not the same as all the other boys. So you start to squash it a little bit. But 
Yeah, I would say the the more aware I became of myself growing up. So sort of as a boy, I was very obsessed with all that sort of stuff. And then you could sort of track as the years passed that it would start to get suppressed a bit more. Never changed, like always obsessed, but the amount that I would air that in public was less and less. So, mm. yeah. That would have been hard. Yeah, it was hard. It was it was hard, but I think it sort of looking back now, I think it all sort of happened for a reason. Like if I had pursued it, any earlier than I actually did. I don't think I would have got anything off the ground because it's pretty full on and hard going. So I guess in retrospect, it kind of all makes sense how it worked out like that. But it is hard. And I, you know, I look at kids today, especially boys that are interested in sort of more feminine fields. It's kind of almost like the reverse of feminism. But I kind of look at boys that are interested in, you know, female dominated fields. And I, I do feel for them. And I kind of I go into bat for them whenever I hear someone talking about something like that. So, yeah, it was hard, but I have to say, I guess in the end, it sort of all worked out in my favour, sort of. Mm. Yeah. Were your family a very conservative family? Um, I wouldn't say cons- oh, No, they're not. They're pretty youngish, new age sort of parents. Like they are, they were both born in Italy, but came out pretty young, both of them. So they're quite Australianised. Um, but. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're full conservative, but they, it's certainly not what they would have chosen for me, that's for <laughs> sure. I mean, now they're very proud, but uh, I, I think when their firstborn son was, was born, they didn't think we'd love him to become a couturier one day. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure they're so proud now seeing they, what they you've are, created. Are, yeah. Was there a moment as that little boy who was really into dresses and things where you were just wowed, just floored um, by a dress? Pretty much every wedding. <laughs> like it was it was actually that full on. Like I whenever we would have a wedding that we would go to and I still have it's really weird. I have like a photographic memory of these weddings and then I'll sort of track what year that would have been and I'm like, how the fuck do I remember this? Is it okay to swear in oh, this yeah. podcast? Okay, oh good. yeah, we're a podcast, <laughs> not radio. Oh mate, go so for it. I was just like, how the fuck do I remember what this dress looks like? Because I've tracked it and I was like eight years old and I remember the bride's dress, the bridal party, and then I'll see this second cousin on the street and I'll be like, I remember everything about your wedding and I'm like, what year did you get married? And she's like, oh, 1993. I'm like, oh, my God, I was seven years old. So, <laughs> yeah, it was like weddings would be like the event of the year for me and for the next two weeks or more I'd be sketching that wedding dress morning till night like I was obsessed obsessed by it. Um, wow. Yeah, it was really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, so have you always drawn? I've always drawn, yeah. I can't say my, my drawings have improved that much. Like I was drawing pretty well as a little kid. Um, yeah, I've always drawn and I actually was sewing at like five years old on Barbie dolls. Yeah. So every Christmas my mum and dad would give me, the, the one year I can actually, that really stands out is I opened this box and I was like, oh my God, it's a Christmas present. Thank God. And I opened it up and it was a fucking rat on a motorbike. And I'm like, what is this shit? And I looked across at my sister and she had this Barbie doll. And I was like, that is the best gift I have ever seen. So, of course, by lunchtime she was over it because she had 100 other Barbies. I had adopted this Barbie and it was mine. And, yeah, I would – so my auntie was a seamstress, so she was kind of my taste of the industry and all her scraps she would save for me and then I'd use her scraps to make dresses for these Barbies. And mum and dad's house has got like about four mantelpieces around and on every mantle I would just set up all the brides in line, like all these dresses that I had made. Yeah, I've got some photos somewhere of the early pieces. But, yeah, it was – Yeah, it was was that early. And I I literally remember in grade prep I had to go to after-school care – 
um, once and I remember they had Barbies and they had needles and I sewed this gold spandex dress on a Barbie. Uh, it's just weird. I have really good memory for that sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. You must have a really amazing brain for visuals. Yeah, and it's it's weird because I part of it's all, like I remember retrospectively really well but also part of it's almost psychic. Like when the girls walk in now, when I do that sketch, I can actually see that dress. And it's really weird. It's only recently that I've realised not everyone sees it like that. Um, Like I will actually see them on the day. And then it's really weird because, you know, 12 to 18 months later, I look at them and I think, holy shit, I I realised she was going to look like this ages ago. No one else actually knew what it was going to look like. Wow. Yeah, so. So you you actually physically picture them. Literally, literally. And do you, what do you take in? Do you take in their whole personality as well? That's a huge part of it, yeah. So that's where where I'm quite different to a lot of other places. I I get really obsessed with the bride. Like by the time we get to the wedding day, I I warn them in advance because we get to know each other pretty well. (laughs) I'm sort of like, look, you know I bat for the other team. So if I'm staring at you like really creepily, I'm just admiring you like (laughs) it's okay. Um, So, yeah, by the time we get in that first consult, I mean, if if they've got a a public Instagram, I'll go and stalk them and see what their style's like. But I I sort of you have to get to know their personality because every bride's different. You know, some come in and they're already, you know, that Insta model type girl. And then there are others that are just, you know, they're really nice girls, but fashion's not their thing, but they really want to look amazing on their wedding day. So you kind of have to judge case by case and, yeah, that's sort of where the dresses evolve. Mm. So where did Senor Mont, because that's the name, obviously, of your company, where did that idea begin? Because I know you were a teacher. That's right, yes. And that's kind of, that kind of partly informed that name, to be honest. So Senor Mont, so Senor in Italian is Mr. So Mr. Mont is short for Mr. Montesano, who was me as the teacher for Mm. 10 or so years. Um, but I guess the the real thing, the real vision behind Senor Mont. So I've always been a bit obsessed by sort of the old world, like Christian Dior and the old couturiers, uh, Charles Worth and um, those sort of turn of the century or mid-century couturiers when they used to really do it sort of top-notch and by hand. And I guess Senor Mont is like this, it's me, but it's this made-up old man that's a couturier and he does it in the traditional methods. So Senor Mont's kind of like a mixture of the teacher that's now dead and buried. (laughs) (laughs) He still comes out every now and again. Um, And he's a mixture of that between this old couturier who, you know, uh, I guess my my main vision for Senor Mont is sort of to to sort of revive that old world feel about couture. So um, that's pretty much where the name came from and it's a shortened version of my name. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When did you know while you were teaching that you wanted, or when did you start making like actual bridal dresses? So it's a a bit of a funny story. It's um, the moment that I knew teaching, I was done with teaching was we were sitting at a staff meeting and any teachers listening would know staff meetings can be pretty painful sometimes, a lot of times. and I was sitting there and uh, there was about 20 staff members and they were all debating which grade level could use the adventure playground on which days. And I was just sitting there and I kind of, I had this niggling feeling that I was over-teaching, but that was the moment that I was like, oh, fuck this shit. I'm yeah. out of here. Like, <laughs> I don't give a shit who goes on the adventure playground. Yeah. Oh, mate, I'm so there with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was like the defining moment. And then I asked for a particular grade level the next year and they gave me the opposite of what I asked for. So it was like, okay, that's just a little extra push. Um, 
so the moment that sort of started the ball in mo- the wheels in motion, I'd kind of given up on the fashion dream. You know, my in, it was in year ten it happened. I went to the careers coordinator. I said, I'm thinking fashion design, architecture, or teaching because I was doing some tutoring and it kind of was one of those logical, natural next steps. Mm. And she said, I'll do teaching. You'll get a job straight away. So. <laughs> <sighs> I know, I know. Like I said, though, in hindsight, if I had have done fashion back then, there's no way I would have, I would have started anything of my own. I may have worked for others, but I would never have had the guts to push as hard as I have. So, um, so yeah, I was teaching. I'd been teaching for about six years, I think, by that stage. And I went and watched the Katy Perry movie documentary, whatever it was. I'm so not like that. I'm not one of those Katy Perry crazy people. But I was watching that whole movie and just seeing her on stage with freaking spinning lollipops and <laughs> and bows and confetti everywhere and she's like this millionaire and successful singer and I thought are you freaking serious like she she can make this huge empire just being her and loving what she loves. And that night I went home and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to look online and I found this short course um, and literally did two years of night school while I was teaching and then I started making. So I made a skirt for my sister and um, she wore it to a family wedding and at this wedding everyone was stopping her and saying, oh, my God, I love your skirt, where did you get it from? And I was kind of, that's when my antennas went up and I thought, okay, maybe I I have got some talent and then... uh, I made something for my mum and then a friend and then before I knew it I had this stranger coming to me wanting something and I thought, oh, and it was a bit nerve-wracking but, you know, I was still doing it on the side and then it just kept growing. So sort of by the death of my teaching career I was literally running out the door at 3.31pm through the back entrance so the principal wouldn't see me <laughs> and then running home to sew in my home studio which I worked out of for probably three or four years before I actually got a shop. So... Wow. It sounds like you're destined or you've been destined to do this. I think so. I think so. It's, um, yeah, it's really, uh, I think it was in the stars for me. I think it was always predetermined. And I, like I said, I, I'm a huge believer in, you know, everything happening for a reason. And I think the the fact that I did teaching for so many years and I really wasn't happy teaching, you know, I did love it and I adored the kids and it was such good fun. But that drove me to push harder with the business because I realised, you know what, you can have whatever career you want, but if you really don't love it, you're never going to be fully satisfied. Mm. So, and don't get me wrong, this is, I'm still um, on the brink of having a nervous breakdown <laughs> all the time with my own business. It's not, it's not all roses and, um, and you know, yeah. but yeah, it's, it, I think doing the teaching for so long really made me want it a bit more. Yeah. Mm, yeah, it's sort of building your own life raft, isn't it? It is. And saying, well, I could stay in this job because it's safe yeah. or I could take that leap and scare myself and get out there. What has been one of your favourite dresses? Well, look, I'd have to say, I mean, everyone would be expecting me to say my sister's and it really was. Uh, having said that, her wedding nearly caused me to have a nervous break. I <laughs> overused the term nervous breakdown, <laughs> as you'll see. What's so much pressure, isn't it? It's a lot it, of pressure. Because every wedding is that person's most important day That's of their right. Life. That's right. And I really, like, I take that on. I, I'm not the sort of person that can just be the bystander. Like, when my brides are stressed and, you know, if we can't get something in their dress perfect, like, that consumes me. That's really, like, full on for me. So it does take all of my energy. But, yeah, I'd say that... My sister's wedding was a big thing, not just because I did the dress, but I did the bridesmaids and mum and the whole wedding. I planned the whole mm-hmm. thing pretty much. So it was pretty high pressure. But her dress is my favourite because we found this antique lace. It was like 170 years old. And then 
we were collecting little pieces here and there of this same type of lace for like a year. And, you know, with my sister, I'm at the point that she just walks in and I'm like, this is what we're doing. You don't really get a say in this, sorry, because <laughs> I've dressed her so many times. We just know what works. So yeah. um, that would be one of my favourites. I did a, a very much a, a French-feeling bride not long ago um, and she wore a big hat. Like I, another one of my passions is the styling of the brides. So it's not just a dress for me, so... Seeing her in that hat with her, you know, sort of Parisian-style dress, that was probably one of the highlights as well. Um, but it's hard to pinpoint because I, the dress is always eternally tied to the girl for me. So sometimes, you know, it to others it might not be such a wow dress, but I've seen the journey with that girl and when I see her on the wedding day, you know, people might not even put it in the top 20 of my dresses, but I'll look at it and I love that girl so much and I see how much potential she fulfilled as a bride that I'll love it more than anyone else, which, um, yeah. So sometimes some of my friends are like, oh, why don't you post that on Instagram? It's like, how about you get effed? I really love that girl and I love the dress and I don't care what you say. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Cause that's the thing, isn't it? You're working with women in a really intimate space yeah. and everyone's body is so different. And I think we're living in a culture at the moment that so puts pressure on women to look a particular way mm. or fit into a particular size, mm. you're you're just starting a new project around yes. this. Do you want to talk yes. to me a little bit so, about what you're doing? Uh, it's kind of uh, I light up when I hear you say that because that's one of my big things. You know, I girls don't have to look like one particular style of bride. They don't have to be a particular size. You know, for me, it's all about value added. You know, I... If I was a bride, I'm not a skinny boy, so I would need something that would, you know, hide parts. And, and it's it's such a fine line because I'm all about loving yourself as you are, but also I want people to feel really confident. It's it's the eternal challenge in my field, to be honest, because I want people to look amazing. I want to highlight their assets and hide the things that they don't love. So I never encourage anyone to have negative self-body image, but at the same time, I have a fairly negative self-body image. So I I really do understand where they're coming from and I, and I think that's one of my strengths as a designer is that's always my starting point. I think what, what do they love about themselves? What do they not love? And let's just build from there. And with this um, new collection, it's kind of like I... I dabbled a little bit in some bridal styling and I, I you know, I sort of shadowed a few um, girls when they were in sort of more ready-to-wear style stores. Um, I wouldn't even say my competitors. I'd say a whole different market to my bespoke stuff. And, you know, I found it really, it was really interesting to see. It was like stepping behind the curtain and, and looking at, it's really hard for girls to find something that suits their body and, an honest opinion too. Like I really, I'm not a salesperson, which is probably a bad thing in business. But when I see someone try something on and I think that they could find something a lot better for their body type and that they'd feel a lot better in watching their mum and bridesmaids and the sales girls say that they look amazing and stuff. I, It's just something that I thought, you know what, this process could be a lot better. So it kind of pushed me into doing my own ready to wear, which was always anyone who knew me would know that I had always said the opposite. I was mm. like, death to ready to wear it's it's but now i've sort of i've realized you know what not everyone has a high budget not everyone is a bespoke client some girls need to see a dress before they purchase so it's kind of pushed me into that area so again being a newcomer to the industry i thought okay 
how does this start? So I said, I sort of did a bit of research about the standard sizing and you sort of discover after a while that there used to be in like the 70s, from what I understand, a standard sizing chart and now there's no such thing. So then I thought, okay, well, let me go online. I'll look at a few big Aussie labels and look at their sizing chart for when they sell online. And I'm, what the hell's going on? Like some some sizes, you know, a size eight could fluctuate 10 centimetres between the bust sizes. And I thought, how does that work? So, and then I think of my brides too, and they're all such different sizes. Like I've got two girls on the go at the moment. One's a B cup, one's an F cup, and they're both the same height. And they probably both, you know, at times fit into a size eight. So it's, it's just frustrating. So I thought, you know what, why don't we just try and develop our own sizing chart? And there's been a great response so far. Mm. So uh, I hope they follow through and actually come to the measurement sessions, which I'll be scheduling pretty soon. But um yeah, so it's just yeah, and you keep hearing the same things over and over that there's no, um, there's not a lot of bridal gowns out there that support the bust or you know, and and I'm a real hater of trends, things that you just see them everywhere, and uh, you know that they don't suit a lot of girls, like the the deep V at the front and the deep V at the side and the deep V at the back. You know, I just think how many of my friends go out not needing to wear a bra, you know, and yeah. if you know if you're comfortable like that, that's okay, but I just. I just want to offer more value to girls. So, mm. yeah. So exciting. So you're going, so the aim is that you'll build out the sizing chart. Yes. Based on measuring different women yeah. that come in from your audience because you've got quite a large following now on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, it's, it's building. It's plateaued a little bit, uh, but I don't really want, yeah, I, I like being in charge of it, but it's probably something I'll have to let go of eventually because when you plateau, I think I've been on the same following for maybe three months, six months even. So it's kind of, yeah, I think the algorithm keeps changing. But, yeah, I have got a good following and a fairly good reach, I think. When you run your own account, people engage a bit better. So I think from a cup two posts, maybe two Insta stories, and one post, I've got 250 subscribers to the, mm. the the initiative to get girls measured. So, yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah, you should be, definitely. And then from there, you're going to create sort of a ready-to-wear range based on that kind of sizing. Yeah. And I just love that because I think so often the bridal industry, particularly but the broader fashion industry, makes women feel shit about themselves. Yeah. Actually. I, you know what? I really Can agree we? with that. And... Even the size runs that they have, you know, it's it's probably going to delay me a fair bit. But, you know, just thinking that a lot of places have size 6 and size 8 samples only, I just think that's really limiting. Mm. And the one thing with every design that I'm coming up with, I'm really trying to keep about 90% of them to cover the, the I call them the danger zones, like, you know, where, where you're popping out under the arms if it's too oh, tight at the bus. We yeah. all girls would know what I'm talking about. Yes. The, yeah, you know, the, exactly. The, the back yeah. that cuts you right where that meaty fillet yes. of your back is. You know, everyone's got it. It's, uh, so yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. with every design, it's it's really going to be designed for the real woman that, that might have curves and might like, you know, eating carbs. That's that's me. So if I was oh, a bride, yeah. that's what I'd want. <laughs> oh, no, I've got Italian heritage too. Without yeah. carbs, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> oh, trust me, you don't want to be around me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because yeah. I do think we're so much more than than just a number on a scale. Mm-hmm. So I love that, Anthony. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for um, starting that initiative. 
I wanted to ask you about the black wedding dress. Ah, yes. Yeah. Because that's one of my, because I follow you as well, okay. and that's one of my favourite moments too. Yeah. Do you want to tell me about that dress? Yeah, and who so it was for, it was for uh, Sophie Keisha, who was known as the Young Mummy. Now she, her Instagram handles back to Sophie Keisha. Um, the first day she came in, so she sent an inquiry online and. Um, before that, I noticed that she followed me and one of my friends said to me, oh, the young mummy just started following you and I'd never heard of her before then. So anyway, then she inboxed. I can't remember the what happened initially, but anyway, next minute she's in the studio and we're having a consult and I used to write things down manually back then. So I had my consultation form and I wrote um, uh, Sarah Shaw, which was her maiden name, Shaw, and uh, she goes, oh, actually, it's Sophie. I was like, oh, shit, that's a good start. <laughs> So, um, and then when she said she wanted to do a black wedding dress, so to me, I love doing stuff that's different. Like when I heard that it was music to my ears and then she was pretty, um, she had a good direction of what she wanted in terms of the shape. So I guess my, my part to play was I said, well, I've got this incredible black lace that I've seen. Why don't we try this? And then we came up with the ideas of the leather paneling and stuff like that. So, and yeah, she was, she was amazing to work with and, uh, in terms of the styling and stuff with the dress, she was pretty good with that sort of stuff. I didn't have to interject too mm. much with that sort of stuff. And, yeah, that it actually it did really well on the day of her wedding. Oh, my God, and the day of that wedding, it was like 32 degrees. Oh, and no. she got married in this church. I think it's actually been demolished now. It's like a building called the Church of Bang Bang Bangaloo or something like that. It was this warehouse. It was like a church warehousey looking thing, but it had a tin roof and it was so hot in there. I just remember I had to keep my jacket on during the ceremony because under my boobs was like full sweat, <laughs> full sweat patches. It was just so hot. Uh, and, of course, the dress was long-sleeved, high neck and full course structure. So she suffered a bit on that day. But, um, yeah, the, uh, it, it did really well initially on the day of the wedding. But funnily enough, at her six-month anniversary, she posted a throwback and it just went wild. It was on... I think it was featured on Nova's Facebook page and then um, Daily Mail picked it up and then, yeah, it just went absolutely wild on the six-month anniversary. So, yeah, and that kind of, uh, I guess I would say of all the pieces, that's probably one that put me on the map more than anything else. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just so unique, <laughs> I guess, and that whole idea, it's so subversive because that white virginal bride is not really representative anymore it's of not. women it's, in some ways, It's it? not, and it's it's funny because that's... I really love women that are confident because sort of you get two camps of brides that come that they're all about pleasing the others and my fiancé wouldn't want too much cleavage showing and stuff like that, but I guess my, my girl's the ones that see the most benefit from their gown are the ones that are just like, let's just go for it. Let's just do whatever you think, Anthony. So, um, you know, it's, and like I said before, it's, it's just, it's a bit like, you know, the line between feeling really confident and loving yourself and hating parts of yourself and, and working with that for the dress. It's kind of the same with the confidence aspect and the, you know, being a modern woman. It's like, I try to encourage them to just let go of all that bullshit that they think they have to have a strapless mermaid dress and it's got to be white. Like, it doesn't suit a lot of girls, that shape. So I kind of, I guess my job is I'm kind of the pusher. I try to I try to push them out of their comfort zone just a little bit so that when they walk down the aisle, people are shocked. They, uh, uh, there's nothing worse than me to say, for someone to say, oh, that's exactly what I expected her to look like. I, I think my job is to push them a little bit further than that, at just a touch out of their comfort zone. 
And then because it's so impeccably fit and the styling's on point, it, it always works. Mm. What do you believe about fear? It's scary how many people live their life based on fear rather than, than love and courage. Uh, I think the less I listen to fear in my life, the more successful the business becomes, the more successful everything becomes. Uh, I guess that's that's why a lot of my girls shine because probably just as important as the dress is the coaching that I give them along the way. Um, Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You know, to understand that, all right, yeah, I know this is your preconceived idea, but how about you look in the mirror? What Do you like your hair down versus up in a bun? Like, it looks really nice on you. You go out on a Saturday night and you have your hair like that, so why, why are you going back to a bun for the wedding? I think fear can really, to me, when you look at a bride and you think, oh, okay, she looks okay, you know, it's not bad, but it's not amazing. To me, that's a bride that's, you know, I think been ruled by fear and what she thinks she has to do. The more fearless you are, I think the better off you are as a bride and in life in general. Mm. I, yeah, lately it's almost an addiction, whatever I'm scared of, I sort of move in that direction. And this ready to wear has been a perfect example. And even the, you can, you've probably followed on Instagram that it's sort of growing by the day in terms of now that we're doing our own sizing chart, but it's kind of like, you know what, there's no time like the current to just tackle this shit and let's just move past it and become leaders in that field. So Mm. Yeah, not a fan of fear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what gives you courage? Because I think it takes a lot of courage to be someone who's different, I guess, and be that kid who's into dresses and into design. Yeah, I, I'd i say I've kind of learned through mistakes, as most business people can probably attest. So I guess the courage comes from, well, you stuff that up, so let's try a different way. And I guess the more you realise that failures just redirection you in future, the less scared you are, so the more courage you have. Um, you know, I, I think things like, uh, for me, a huge turning point, I started seeing a life coach this year and that's been a huge, I and I see him once a week and it's like, it's one of those things that it's just changed my mindset because it's one hour a week that you can just sort of reset and he just sort of gets you to identify, say, fear or courage mindset and that sort of stuff and whether you're acting in fear or whether you should just go for it um, and talk about the pros and cons and what could happen. So, yeah, I think um, my courage just comes through practising. It's a, it's a muscle that you have to build and I think the more you find when you act in courage, you, you very rarely regret it. At least you know that you did what you had to do. You'll never wonder. Wondering and regret is poison in life, I think. Mm. So yeah. I agree. It's, all, it's hard, though. It is hard. It is hard. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be prepared to, you know, disagree with a lot of people and a lot of people might might not approve of what you do or say, but I think when you're authentic, it's much easier. You don't have to act at all and you don't have to remember as many lies and, you know, it's, it's a lot easier, I think, acting in courage because 
you know, if people see that you're authentic, whether they agree with you or disagree with you, at least that's their baseline. They know you're an authentic person. Mm. If you don't mind me asking, when did you come out? It was, come out is probably a stretch. It was more dragged out. (laughs) (laughs) I was about uh, 26 and it was a a fight I had with my sister. Um, I was still living at home. And actually, I'm still living at home right now. There's a whole story which could fill a whole podcast. I'm not even going to go there, but it's temporary. Um, so we both used to wake up around the same time and it would be the fight for the shower in the morning who would get there first and she would shower for like an hour and a half. It was a joke, like <laughs> during the drought period as well, mind you. <laughs> uh, so one morning I heard her alarm go off and I raced to the shower just to jump in before she would get up. And, um, yeah, she... I don't know, she must have found something on my laptop or something and she, when I jumped in the shower, I was just telling her, F off, I'm already in here. And she just said, I know your secret. And I was like, oh, my God. And it was like my whole world had come, come crumbling down that day. Um, but then, you know, I, I took it into my own hands and I came out to mum and dad and you realise, you know, it's not the best feeling, you know, that I'm so fortunate that they're super accepting. They they. They really had no idea, which I was shocked by. I'm like, really? I was sewing Barbie dresses at five years old. And, um, but they, they genuinely were shocked and probably still are, to be honest. But, um, yeah, it's I was pretty fortunate overall. And it's weird because I'd say in terms of confidence and, and courage, getting that stuff out of the way, it helps immensely with that whole process. You know, I think... If I'd have pursued this field before coming out, I it would have been a huge barrier to me because I was sort of only showing fifty percent of my personality. I think mm. um, so. Yeah, it was it was pretty instrumental. I think that's why I say with timing, it all sort of happened. And I don't know if I would have ever had the courage. And obviously, back then, I you know fear dominated a lot of my life. But um, yeah, I think it's a muscle that's growing pretty well at the moment. <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah. it sounds like it kind of happens in your mind happened. Almost because of... I would say that was probably the starting point because when I came out, then I could start relating differently because all my friends were girls, of course. Mm. I started relating very differently to them. You could comment on what they're wearing without them knowing that you don't want to... Like you sleep know, sleep them. with them, yeah, which yeah. was always the undertone, even though they knew better than that. None of them were shocked. But, you know, it just lets you live that little bit more fully after. So, um, yeah, I would say that was probably the the point where that whole opportunity and possibility of becoming the the bridal designer would have probably been rooted in that moment, yeah, funnily mm. enough. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Hindsight's amazing, isn't it? It is when you look back because how old are you now? 32. 32. So it was, it was only really six years ago but literally it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of – it's as if my I started living from that moment because when you do let go of fear, you just go for whatever. And, yeah, I actually can't believe, as I said that out loud, that that was only six years ago. But, yeah, it's it's mm. been a big six years. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like yeah, it. It really has. Yeah. It's just so incredible to me how much your life can change when you do scare yourself, but mostly when you have the courage to just be who you actually are. Absolutely. Rather absolutely. than try and be what other people want you to be. And and once you do that, you think, why was I worried? Because it, it's so you know? true. And I think the the more you just be yourself, you sort of find your tribe and I guess the the hard thing is that sometimes in the short term you know, it doesn't seem to pay off. But if you just keep being yourself and, and being you, like I'm at the point in my career now that 
you know, there, there would there have been a few quiet patches over the years, but now I'm at the point that there are girls saying, oh, I was following you five years ago, finally I'm engaged, you know, can I come in and talk to you? Like, Aww. let's get this show on the road. So, you know, sometimes, you know, being yourself, it's you're really playing the long game that way. But you know what? I think the people that, that stick around or come to you and that you, you know, you attract with your vibration, I think they're the people that you really want in your life and they're the ones that are meant to be there. So mm. I think there's no other way really. Yeah, right. Life's yeah. too short. It really is. It, it is. really is. Yeah. And, and what I've found and I wanted to know if this is something you found too, that with the scaring yourself, being who you are, going after what you really want, also comes a hell of a lot of like highs and terrible lows, yeah, absolutely. like way more extreme than if you were sort of Mr. Mont yeah, just absolutely. like teaching. <laughs> it's, I was saying this morning, my resting rate is like crazy. <laughs> like resting heart rate? Yeah, like just my resting life rate at the moment. It's like the the highs and the amount of things on the go are just like you think, I sort of think back to even a year ago, I was like thinking how stressed I felt. Now I look at the shit on my plate and I'm like, whoa, I wish I knew how easy it was like a year ago. So it's kind of like you do the highs and lows get so much higher and so much lower. And, you know, after my sister's wedding, I was in such a pit because it was like this event that I had built up to change my life. And anyone who's married knows that nothing changes. It's just you're you're just left with a bit of debt and <laughs> and life goes on exactly as before. So, you know, I think, yeah, the highs and lows are definitely getting bigger as everything grows. And, um, yeah, it's something that you just sort of learn to deal with a lot better. It's ne- never something that becomes easy and I'm not the sort that lives in a comfort zone. So I'll always be pushing a bit past that anyway. But yeah, the pretty extreme highs and pretty extreme lows and you just sort of get energetically drained, but then you've got no choice but to just lift yourself up. When it's your passion, the highs and lows don't really matter because you just know you're on earth to do this and you've got to just get your shit together and off we go again. Yeah. yeah. Is there some things other than saying the life coach that you do to get yourself out of those deep lows? Um, I've found, because I'm in, I wouldn't say as much lately, but I do suffer from anxiety at times. And I think the, the the common thread that I've found that helps my anxiety is actually acting. Rather than just sitting there thinking about it or worrying, I just go into action. Um, I would say that's one of the huge things. Obviously, as I said before, the life coach, he's been a big instrumental part. Um, but also being surrounded by the right people and, you know, that's something that you sort of, as your life gets busier and your priorities change, you do have to reevaluate those that, you know, are in your close tribe. You know, everyone's got lots of friends, but it, I think everyone also has, you know, a couple of really close friends and they're the ones you can call when the shit's gone mm. down. So they're, they're the people that get me through, you know, they're the family that I've chosen as family rather than the ones you're born into. So, um, yeah, I think I think the people you're surrounded with help and, yeah. Yeah, I think that's it really, isn't it? The people that in your life that love you, that you rely on and that's what life is about really. Absolutely. So I was talking to someone else and I related a little bit to this too. He said sometimes when you are living a life that is different from the people around you, you can lose friends too. Yeah. Have you found that? It does happen and it's funny because the the ones, the friends that I'm still quite close to, they know if there's a bride due this week, they know not to call probably. Yeah, yeah you're not going to reply. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they know yeah. if they do call, I'm probably going to lose my shit at them <laughs> and be very intolerant of listening to uh, stuff that they want to tell. So, 
Yeah, I think you the new friends that you meet are probably at a very similar wavelength or, you know, stage in their life. And the old friends that are the ones that you hang on to that are your your real tribe for life, they just get that things are changing and they sort of they're happy to be there on the ride. So mm. yeah, but absolutely it makes such a difference uh that the you know, if they can't adjust to your new way of life, it's it's very hard to maintain those friendships and, mm. you know, it just sort of drops off naturally. And there's no, I don't think there's any negativity involved with that. You know, I don't say, you know, I don't speak to this person or anything like that. It's just, you know, where we've drifted and my life's at a diff- very different point and there's mm. not as much common ground anymore. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? And people make different choices in life. And yeah. I've found, I think, to some people come back into your life too when things have changed for them. But yeah, that just having those core people that you know you can be honest with in yourself and just let you absolutely hear out and yeah. Sometimes panic. it's a bit of a revolving door, like you said. You know, they will come in and out at, at particular times. But yeah. I... So where do you like? I know you're a visual person, mm-hmm. so you vision things, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to have a crystal ball and vision yourself in ten years, what would you see? Oh. Seeing you want? If I was like a fairy godmother in a, and just being like, "Bing!" I'm, I'm tempted to not to even answer this because people will think <laughs> this guy's lost it. Who the fuck does he think he is? Um, uh, at the pace things move in my life, I'm scared to even project that. But look, I, I'd say that. Oh, God, where to start? Look, I I really i am in this industry because I don't just love brides. I'm obsessed with brides. I'm obsessed with weddings. I'm obsessed with the whole gamut and even all the pre-events, you know, bridal showers and stuff like that. So I don't know, lately I've got this seed that I'm thinking somehow I want to be part of the full wedding experience. So mm. I really don't know. And also I've still got this, I don't want to die with this because uh, my other dream that I'm really passionate about is heritage architecture. So it's not a, it's not something that I want to die with that still inside me and not having come out. So whether it would be, yeah, I, I really don't know. I, I would say something easy to project in my crystal ball that I would hope for in 10 years is that, you know, my gowns would be a lot more sort of commercially sellable and not limited to just, you know, the small number of bespoke clients that I do at the moment and sort of more available to the every woman. You know, I'd love to go past bridal wear and maybe to evening and I love doing kids wear and stuff too. It's kind of like, yeah, I love doing that stuff as well. So I really don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope it's an empire. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> and not that I give a shit about, I mean, money's nice and whatever, but it's not that I want it for that, but it's just like I don't want to die with the bucket full. Like, I, want, I want to make sure that all these ideas and passions are out there and yeah, mm. once you start to see them come out and actually be taken to by people and you can turn it into a successful business, it's almost addictive. So now I'm like on this rampage. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, I find that really amazing getting ideas from your brain and then actually seeing them in, yeah. in life. It's it's just It's, it's like magic. It's like time travel or something. I just, yeah. uh, I look at it and I really think it is magic. And, you know, I've, I'm a crazy podcast listener. So I, I keep hearing on these podcasts that people say it's as if, you know, their artistry or their their calling comes through them. It doesn't even come from within them. And I honestly feel like that. When I'm putting lace on a dress, sometimes there'll be this incredible pattern and I'll be like, I'm not even capable of doing this. I don't know where the fuck that came from. Or wow. it's like it's this, this sense of magic and it's it could be 2 a.m. and I'm thinking, fuck this, I should have just stayed teaching and I was getting a regular paycheck and, you know, everything yeah. was good. 
But then you you have these moments that you think, I can't believe I created that and I have no idea how I created that and, wow, this is just a beautiful moment, even if it's 2 a.m. and I haven't slept and I want everyone dead <laughs> around me. <laughs> it's still yeah. pretty special. <laughs> Some writers talk about it as flow, yeah. like that creative flow, there's sort of a force, you're a vessel and yeah. this is getting very woo-woo, but, yeah. you know, there's that force coming through you Absolutely. and you just, and then time becomes irrelevant. And, yeah, I really do. Yeah. I really do agree with that and it's weird because... The moments that I feel most like that is probably the wedding day. So, you know, I could have been slaving on this dress 24-7 for the whole week and two weeks before the wedding. But on the wedding day, it's like I have this adrenaline and I just know exactly what to do. And it's like they're the moments that I think this is what I was born to do. Like, And that's why I say when you ask me about 10 years, to me, oh, my God, to be with a bride on her wedding day every single day of my life would be a fantasy. Like, it's just magical to me. Oh, yeah. that's so smart. It just makes me cry thinking about that little boy <laughs> at seven who could just, like, was just admiring all the details of the dresses and making yeah, them. Yeah, and he was understood a lot. <laughs> Sorry, misunderstood a lot. <laughs> I just think back to, like, when I was, you know, and oh, it would have been about 12, I'll never forget. I was at a wedding and my auntie had this dress with all this beautiful embroidery on the bust area and I was just staring at it. It was so beautiful. And she called me looking at her bust. She's like, Anthony, like, oh, I'm not looking at your boobs, I swear. <laughs> but, yeah, it was funny because this, this little boy was, yeah, I was just obsessed even from back then and it's kind of, I've always said if I had a memoir, it would be called Little Did They Know. Little did they know how obsessed I would become and that I would turn it into a job one day. You can, It's amazing, isn't it, reflecting on that and then how how much having a passion for something can just change the whole direction of your life when, when you find that. Absolutely. And it's yeah. and it's amazing how the things that you think are really shit about life sometimes are the best things. Like for me, you know, growing up until I was about 22, I was, uh, oh, I'm probably, God, still going off the BMI index. I'm probably still obese, considered obese. Oh, but no, I was, you're not at all. I, like I was 110 kilos at my 21st birthday, so oh. I was a big boy. But it's kind of like now I look back and I think, well, fuck, no wonder I'm obsessed with making people's bodies look amazing because I know how it feels. You know, I connect with people when they want their body to look amazing and they want to feel so confident. And that's why this sizing initiative is a big thing to me because I just, I get how people feel. And that has been, that's my Harvard degree in body types, you know, being obese growing up. That was what's informed me with what I know today and what women want and what women feel like and what they want to feel like and that's why mm. I'm going to do what I can. <laughs> what changed for you? What what sort of made you drop the weight? Um, it's funny. I can almost pinpoint it to uh, an exact moment. I went to this gym in Northgate and I joined up and uh, – I was walking on the treadmill and I was like, oh, CBF being here. Like, I'm just not an exercise person. Maybe one day I will be, but at the moment I'm not. And I definitely wasn't back then. And um, I remember getting home after that and there was this big pile of pasta and I thought, oh, God, I just exercised for all that time. There's no way I'm eating this now. And it was it was really weird because it was the first time I'd ever thought of food versus input and output of, of energy like that. And then, you know, the walking, I just sort of kept going and walking on the treadmill and then I'd see all these hot guys next to me running and I'm like, oh, maybe I should run a little bit. So I started running and then this, it's kind of like, you know, the universe gives you the right people at the right time. This trainer who was there every morning, he introduced himself and he goes, oh, have you ever thought about doing weights and stuff? So 
Next minute I was doing like five days PT with this guy, Nick his name was, and he's still around and we still talk every now and again. He became like my gym father and, you know, took me under his wing and then, yeah, I went from like 110 kilos to like 75 within the course of a year and now I sort of, I'm never down to 70, well, I'm not down to 75 lately, but, you know, pretty, not too far off, not enough to be scared that I'm going to go back to my original weight. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because I I struggled a lot with my weight when I was a teenager really? too, massively. I was really big as a, as a teenager, and I think a lot of it is wrapped up in your psychology too. I think so about your self esteem and whatever it is. Like I yeah, and I'm whatever you sort of eat your feelings away. Absolutely, or absolutely, too. and um, yeah, and it's. It's hard when you don't feel like your inside and your outside match and it's a big contention and I think that's, you know, that's probably something that I'm at at the moment. I, you know, people expect a designer to look a particular way and you think, oh, do I, I don't really have that look. But then we go back to being authentic and being yourself and, yeah, it's, it's a challenge, and isn't it? And you do look like a designer. Do I? Like, oh, you know, thanks. I saw, like, all your photography and, yeah, on your site, gosh, you absolutely okay. do. <laughs> That's good to hear. No, it's yeah. so true. That is so, it's so interesting you would say that because yeah. from an outsider perspective, no one would be thinking that well, about you at okay. all. Yeah, and isn't it funny these perceptions? And that's another reason that I think my life coach is so powerful because that's the sort of stuff that we unpack every week that, you know, oh, maybe I'll talk about that this week with him. But um, that's <laughs> the sort of stuff that we unpack that uh, oftentimes you have these perceptions and you just take it for granted as being concrete, yeah. uh, you know, it's just the way things are. But it's not. It's just your perception. So I think perception's everything. Mm. Um, and, it, uh, again, that's that's the power of my brides are that I'm able to shift their perceptions. So it's kind of like when once you start to apply it to yourself and your business and, your, you know, your life, uh, yeah. Perception mm. is your entire life pretty it much. Is. Yeah. It's so interesting that you're someone that can visualise other people and women so distinctly and and that's something within yourself that you're just starting to learn how yeah, to do. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? And sometimes I wonder if that's that's why I have that superpower, that that's because I lack it, that's something I want to give to other people. Yeah, mm. it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's I interesting. wonder what would happen if you turned it around on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to yeah. start right now. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, like I was turning into a counselling session. Yeah, it is. It's so interesting. I am so in awe of what you have built, I have to say. Someone who has started, is trying to build my own company as well and business, um, just from a practical level, what are some things that you would advise people who have a dream, have a burning idea and want to get started to do? What are the things that you've learned? Look... I think a huge thing is just start. That's the first thing, you know, and it never, you always think there's this particular path to success or to building something and it's pretty much never like that. That's the one way I can guarantee you it's not going to ever fucking look as much as you think you know. Uh, But, you know, just start and I'm the worst person to preach this, but I guess small steps, doing something tiny every day helps. I'm the type that loves to take giant leaps, but, you know, it costs me a lot of sleep and a lot of stress and anxiety. But, um, and I guess the other thing is sometimes by starting and just doing, you don't, you don't know what you want until you start and you, you test and evaluate and you F things up and have to try again and start from scratch. And it all, it's all information that will help you get to your end goal, whether you succeed or you don't, you know, don't be worried about the failures and the fuck ups. You know, before I even started my 
business and invented Senior Mont, I, I sent a an email asking the Jeton boys if I could be their intern and, you know, that didn't happen but prompted me to think of starting my own thing. So, you know, I would just say to anyone thinking of starting and growing, you know, if it's not out there and it doesn't exist, don't let that stop you because you can create it. Uh, if it is out there and it looks very different to what you are, then be an anomaly in that field. You know, uh, I think the one amazing thing about Instagram and social media and the ability to reach people is that you can be your authentic self and people love something that stands out. So I would say to people trying to start up, think of something that sets you apart uh, and really build on that and, you know, let that become your your brand before you try and fit into a mould of what you think you know already exists um, and just don't give up. And seriously, it's however hard you think it'll be, it's about 10 times harder, but it's so worth it. You don't even – it's just – when you start that path of following your life's calling, you'll you just can't stop because you know you have to, and it's the best thing ever when it starts to work. And it can be shit at times, but ninety nine percent of the time, it's pretty good. And it's your. I was going to say it's your shit. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you're not terrible. you're not working out. You know, and so oh, I shouldn't say this because some people are called to be teachers, and that is their life's purpose. But that was when I realised when you when you're. I was sitting there thinking, why am I worrying about what grades are on the adventure playground when I could be making an incredible wedding dress? That's what I really want to do. So, mm, yeah. Exactly. And teaching is an, an incredible profession. Oh, absolutely. But you want to be in it because you love it. That's right. You know? And that's, and it, oh God, anyone who knew me as a teacher, you know, I was, I was very passionate. But of course, when whenever we did art projects and shit like that, oh my God, Anthony would be like next level psycho about it. <laughs> and I'd be like making concert costumes and building towns for these displays that we would make. But yeah, it's. Um, yeah, and nothing mm. is wasted. And, and no. I think the gift that you would have given the kids that you taught to for that amount of time is an incredible gift. Yeah, and to... it, it built me and it built them as people. So I wouldn't change a thing, to be honest. Yeah, mm. exactly. Oh, well, thanks for coming Thank in. Thank you so much for having me. This was good fun. Oh, it was really fun. <laughs> thanks so much, Anthony. Where can we find you? So um, my biggest following's on Instagram. So my handle is at Signor, S-I-G-N-O-R underscore Mont, M-O-N-T. Uh, my website, signormont.com.au, and um, all the information's there pretty much. Awesome. Hopefully someone out there is looking to get married. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. I've already got married. Damn. <laughs> I have to do it again to the same guy. Yeah, he's yeah, very great. Okay. So. Yeah, actually I've been listening to Mr. Sunny. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. He's fun. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank right. you. That's thank it. You. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, your host, Claire Tonti. And with Signor Monte himself, Anthony Montesano. For more interviews just like this one, you can subscribe in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I've got some awesome interviews with people like Claire Bowditch and Will Anderson and Jamila Rizvi on what it's like to write a book and be a mother. Carly Finlay, who just released her book, Say Hello, among lots and lots of other ones. So head over to our feed to scroll back through and listen. You can also go to planetbroadcasting.com where we have lots more Australian podcasts for you to check out. To hear more from Anthony, I think the best thing to do, like he said, would be to follow him on Instagram at Signor Mont. Um, and if you're getting married, oh my goodness, go get a dress made specifically for you by him.
Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Claire Tonti, where I like to tell stories, or over on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies. And finally, if you'd like to email the show with an idea for a guest, please head to justmakethethingpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. As always, a big thank you to Raw Collings for editing this week's episode. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.